Welcome to Radiate Church Online. We are so excited about what God is doing here at Radiate Church in Elgin, South Carolina. If you have a story that you would wanna share about the impact that God has had on your life, you can share that story at youmatter at radiatechurch.net. Also, if you'd like to give, you can give by going to radiatechurch.net or you can give to our ministry by app. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message from God. So excited to be with you today. We're going to jump right in today as we get into our first series post-Easter called All In. Now, I've got to make I've got to make a sidebar statement about the title of this series because some of you seem to think that this has to do with the gospel of Dabo. And I'm just here to tell you that we will have a deliverance service for that in just a few moments here at Radiate. Now, this has nothing to do with Clemson, but it has everything to do with the cross. Uh, no, we, I'm, I'm kidding with you. Um, not about the fact that it has nothing to do with Clemson. I'm kidding with you about Clemson, period. Uh, so excited to start this new series called All In. And if you're taking notes, and, and I encourage you to do so as I do each and every week, I want you to title the message this, Going for the W. Going for the W. We're calling it All In because if you watch uh, um, sports, it, it's a used phrase often, but even if you follow poker, World Series of Poker, or anything like that, when they go all in, here's what they do. They push all their chips to the middle of the table, and they literally say, I'm going for broke. Like, if I don't win, I lose everything. But if I win, I gain everything. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that there's a point in our lives, because many of us, we will give our lives to Jesus. And then I get this question, what does it mean to live for Jesus? Here's what it means. It means to go all in. It means to push your chips, to push your life, to push your kids, to push your marriage, to push your job, to push your uh, habits, to push everything you got. Just push it to the middle of the table and look at Jesus and going, I'm going all in today. I'm, I'm giving you everything I've got for the rest of my life and if I lose I lose it all but if I win I gain it all because here's what Jesus says he says this if you want to gain uh, uh, life with me you have to lose everything in the world you got to do the opposite in other words you got to you got to go all in you got to push all the chips to the middle and stand up at the table and go I will do what I need to do to win we're going to go for the W today anybody ready to go for the W in their life today Go for the W. We're going to go. Uh, uh, this whole series is based in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And here's the purpose of this series today uh, or over the next several weeks. It is this. I believe we have been sold a religious duty that we do things out of obligation, not out of commitment. And I want to change the narrative. Uh, are you guys alive? Yeah, all right. I want to change the narrative today that we are in this thing and we're not doing things out of religious obligation, but we're doing things out of commitment and love. And, and in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, there's something that is said right here in the Gospels. And, and it's really important. Jesus uh, uh, says this. Has, has anybody in the room ever been trapped by a question? You know what I'm saying? Like every man that is married ought to answer ought to raise their hand. You know what I'm saying? She goes and buys this new outfit, right? It's, it's gorgeous. She tries it on for you. And here's the question. How does this look? If you say anything other than 
then you look better than the outfit or you look amazing or it really gives off your assets or any, don't, don't cut that word short, or anything <laughs> like that. If you say anything other than that, man, you have been trapped and you fell right into it. You know what I'm saying? Or if you say anything other than, baby, you know what? You can go buy another outfit if that makes you feel better because you are beautiful in my eyes no matter what. Baby, you could wear a garbage bag and make that thing look good. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 get tra you ever had somebody trap you by a question? And you know most of the time when they ask you the question, there's an ulterior motive. I'll get this sometimes. Hey, pastor, I got a question. And there's sometimes I want to look at them and go, no, you don't. You have an accusation you want to put a question mark on the end of because you don't want to offend me. Right? Or, or here's how you know somebody's coming at you. Hear me today, right? And I really don't deal with that stuff very much at all. But I want you to hear me today. Like, here's how you also know. Some people have said, them some people are the four voices in the back of your head. Like, don't play, don't play. There ain't no some people. You know what I'm saying? And, and we're having some fun, but you ever been trapped by a question for real? Coworker, family member, friend, it doesn't matter. When you're in, and it's a helpless feeling because then you sit there and go, what, 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 is, what, is, what, is, what is the right answer? In school, I used to get asked questions publicly in front of the class, and I'm a pretty extroverted guy. I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and they'd ask me questions, and I'd freeze, and here's why. Because in my mind, every single time there was a specific answer I was supposed to give, and I didn't know what the right answer and the specific answer was or how I was supposed to do it, so I would shut down and be like, I, 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 because I didn't know. Because I didn't know the right answer. I felt like I was being trapped. Well, there's this story in Mark chapter 12 where these guys are coming to Jesus, the Pharisees, the, 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 the Sadducees, the Herodians, all these ultra-spiritual religious people that know how to do the kingdom of God way better than the Son of God. You know what I'm saying? And they're coming to Jesus, and they're asking him these questions, and they're, trying to, 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 they're really trying to trap him in what they're saying, right? And so this one guy in, 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 in chapter 12 uh, starting in verse 30, or, or really it starts in 28, it says one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well. It, it, so Jesus was answering the questions really good. And so he goes, oh, I, I see it. I see it. I see an end right here. Let me ask him this question. In verse 29, he, or, or verse 28 at the end of it, he says, he asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? That's a really smart way of saying, what commandment is the most important, Jesus? If you're the son of God and you're the Messiah and you're the savior and you're the one that we've been waiting for and you're the hope of the world, what's the most important commandment? He just makes it, he's trying to trap Jesus in this nice way. It's like somebody coming and being like, hey, can I ask you a question? And, and they get an ulterior motive. And then, and then he says, what is the foremost of all? And Jesus, in verse 29, it says, Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he goes on in verse 31 and he says, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the guy comes in and he's like, I'm going to trap Jesus right now. Well, why is that a trap to Jesus? Wouldn't Jesus know that answer? Here's why it's a trap to Jesus. Because the actual answer, because you know there's always a real answer, right? 
The actual answer to it is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. Hear this. Many of you don't know this connection. It says this. Hear, O Israel. It's talking about um, um, God is telling the Israelites, hey, you need to listen to God. Because if you listen to God, there will be a blessing. But here's what he says in verse 4 and 5. He says, hear, O Israel. This is God. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Wait a second, that sounds really eerily familiar to what Jesus just answered the man that was trying to trap him, right? Here's the deal. Here's why the guy was trying to trap him. Because he wanted Jesus to answer the question based on what the most important thing God ever said was. Because following Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, they, the scribes and the rabbis and the teachers and all the religious people, you know what they started doing? They said, okay, the Lord our God is one. And so we need to love him with everything we've had. And so they began to teach people how to love him. They started going, hey, if you want to love God, you don't sin against God. But if you do sin against God, you need to sacrifice this at this time of the day, at this type of altar, with this kind of blood. And you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do these things and all this stuff. And it ends up adding over time, right? It ends up adding over time over 300 Old Testament laws that you had to follow if you loved God. How many of you guys could follow over 300 laws? Most of you can't follow a speed limit, much less 300 laws. I may or may not be guilty with that sometimes myself. Right? And so over 300 laws, but where? And so Jesus comes along and this guy says, hey, what's the most important commandment? In other words, what did God say at first that was most important? And Jesus goes, oh man, I know this. That's my daddy. I've heard my daddy say that I don't know how many times. I sat at his right hand. I came down from his throne to be in flesh form. I heard him tell you when he said it the first time. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. The Lord your God is not five billion different things. There is one way to the kingdom of God, and it is through the Father. The Lord your God is one, and you shall love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I heard him say it to begin with. Jesus answers the question perfectly. In other words, there's another scripture. Are you following me today? This is interesting, right? Later on in scripture, Jesus says this. He says, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to do one thing. I came to fulfill it. In other words, he came to say, I'm not writing off everything that happened in the Old Testament because they didn't do anything wrong. They were trying to teach you how to love God so that you could get closer to him. The problem was they perverted it for their own means which is why he walks into Jerusalem and starts flipping tables and cracking whips and telling people you better get right or you're going to get left. You can use that one day. That was good. <laughs> right? And so he says, I didn't, I'm not here to abolish the law. I'm here to do one thing. I'm here to fulfill it. So every one of those 300 laws that the Old Testament prophets told you you had to do, I am now that law hanging on a cross, blood spilling down, pulling up in the dirt, in sand, making a blood mud down there in the dirt. And I'm raining it all over your life because you don't have to worry about 300 laws. You have to worry about two that are the most important. One is you have to love the Lord your God. And two, I'm adding to it, you have to love your neighbor neighbor as yourself here's the problem most of us don't love our neighbor because we don't understand how God loves us we want to look at our neighbor and go you need to follow this and that and you need to do these things and this needs to happen and if you want to love me and you want to be a part of my life and you want me and you want this and you want that and blah 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 blah, blah you got to do these things no Jesus never looks at us and do that does that he says only thing you need to do to be with me in relationship is you just need to commit to me and I'm here to tell you something. The first part of Mark chapter 12, verse 30, is it says to love the Lord your God. And you know what part of the issue is? Most of us want to love God, but we have no idea what it means. 
Hear me today. There are so many Christians all over the world. We say, man, we love God, love God with everything we have. But our face, our actions, our wording, our understanding, our loving of our neighbor, all these things, none of it lines up with God. And then we have people all over the world that look at us and call us a joke, want nothing to do with the church. 80% of Americans don't attend church today. You know why? Because we say we love God, but we don't even understand what it means. In the very beginning, Deuteronomy, before all these laws, God said this, love me with everything you've got. And we're going to, over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. And I don't want to teach you, hear me, I don't want to teach you religion. I don't want to teach you how to love God. Because James tells me in the New Testament, James tells me this, work out your own salvation. That means don't look at somebody else and just do what they do. He says, work out your own salvation. That, here's, hear me today, can I just talk about conviction for a minute? You're going to be convicted about things nobody else will be convicted about in your life. That's your own salvation. You may need to stay away from things nobody else has to stay away from because of simple chinks in your armor and weaknesses in your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. That means that's your own salvation. I got to know what to stay away from, what to quit looking at, what to quit smelling, what to quit being a part of, who to quit hanging out with because it's a weakness in my life. That's called working out my own salvation. But we can't do any of that. Hear me today until we learn how to love God. What does it mean to love God? And I believe we're living in a world today. Are you still with me? I believe we're living in a world today where love has been diluted. Now hear me, I'm not talking about a romantic love, right? Like we know we can look at all over the place and go, romantic love, that, that's, that's just screwed up, right? Like romantic love has nothing to do with sex. That's romantic lust. Praise, oh, y'all got quiet all of a sudden. Romantic love and, and love is, is similar, but I want to talk to you about love in general today because most of us think that we love her hair, ladies. We love his truck, that 2019 Ford Raptor that's driving around the room. I love my fishing boat that I got. I love that. I love tacos. Amen. Praise God, the glory just fell. Here's the, the, I love a good steak. You know what I'm saying? Like, we love, here's the thing. Love has been diluted to an infatuation. Love has nothing to do with infatuation. Here's the proof. I'm going to teach you today, just in one quick sentence right now, what the, what the proof of love is. The proof of love is not in your infatuation and what you're attracted to. The proof of love is found in your commitment. The truth of love, many of us don't know what love is because we have no idea how to commit to something. We commit to it while we feel it. We commit to it while it's beneficial. We commit to it while it's valuable. I'll commit to this while I feel like doing it. And many of us will make commitments in an emotion, but we don't make commitments with our life. And that's why when the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, none of us can live up to it. Because we'll give a yes in an emotional moment, but when it's time to follow through on the commitment, we say no, and now our word has lost its value because I'm, more, I'm saying no more than I'm saying yes. After I've said yes. Are you with me? The proof of love, how much you love something, is found in the proof or the level of your commitment. How committed are you to them? How committed are you to it? Don't tell me, hear me today, can I just be honest? Don't tell me you love Radiate Church and then you never show up. Don't tell me you love me and then you're not committed to me whenever something goes wrong. 
Don't tell me you love your spouse, but the moment that they say something wrong to you, you're thinking about a divorce. Come on. Don't tell me you love your job while your foot's on the other side. You can say you enjoy it, you like it, you're blessed with it. That's fine. You don't love it because your level of commitment is tied to the level of love that you have. Many of you are like, what? Wait a second. I, I don't know about that. See, love is not an obligation. We've, we've been taught that if we love Jesus, all this stuff we're obligated to do. Can I tell you something? What you're obligated to do when you love Jesus is commit to him. Here's what that means. What he says goes. I walked outside to get my checkbook just a minute ago to write that check that I just told you about. And I looked at somebody and I said, because they were asking me what I was doing. I said, when God speaks, you, uh, you do. When God speaks, you do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Many of us will go, God, I don't know. We'll have a negotiation with God, right? Hey, God, can we just meet in the middle? And God's like, you're not buying a new car. Like, this is a life. You're either committed. Here, here's the thing about commitment. Commitment is not a feeling. Because oftentimes when you're committed to something, you don't feel like following through. You know what I'm saying? There's many times you just don't feel like following through. There's so many times I've committed to doing something, and then the moment comes for me to do it, and I'm like... I really don't want to do this, but I still do it. Why? Because I made a commitment, not a feeling. Infatuation is not love. Commitment is love. If we're going to go for the W, if we're going to give Jesus our life, if we're going to do more than just pray this prayer, fill out this card, go through this life group, get this thing on Right Now Media, go through this, watch this, figure this out, do a life group, go through full life, and serve on a team, love people. If we're going to do more than just that, if we're going to be a part of this thing, can I tell you, if we're going to go for the W, we got to go all in. There's too many people that have prayed a prayer of love to Jesus, but we haven't committed to a life with him. Because in the moment it felt right. I know this is hard today, but I got to bust up some theology that we think loving Jesus is all about when I wake up in the morning with goosebumps and I got radiate worship playing in the background and it feels good and it looks good and it acts good and it's beneficial to me. That's not the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible consistently tells me over and over again, I am more developed in the hard times than I am the good times. What that means is I got to be more committed when things are going bad than they are when things are going good because that is what? Love. You with me today? That's love. And there's so many things that just happens. Like, I think back when I'm thinking about this stuff, I think back to the story of the Israelites. And dude, here's the thing. The Israelites were in slavery for, I, I, I mean, so many years. They were beaten and they were tortured and they were just depressed and they suppressed and all these things. God's chosen people in slavery. God pulls them out of slavery from the Egyptians. And he's walking them through the wilderness and all they can do is whine and complain about it. Like, they just got out of slavery, and literally one time they looked at Moses, their leader, their pastor, and they looked at their pastor, and they said, hey, Pastor Moses, in fact, I don't want to call you Pastor Moses, because I don't have enough honor for you to call you that, so I'm going to call you Moses, because I don't respect your position to hear from God. We're on to something today. Moses, I want you to hear me today. Moses, I'd rather you have left me in the slavery of the Egyptians than to let me die in the wilderness. If I'd have been Moses, I'd have looked at him and slapped him and been like, you stupid. Man, you found some shrooms along the way or something. Like, what's wrong with you? Y'all laugh. We loosen up in here at Radiate. Right? They do that. And so God goes to Moses, talks to Moses, gets things worked out. Then they go, Moses, I don't believe that you're a leader. And I don't believe that God is God because I'm hungry. And I hadn't had dominoes in a few weeks. 
And God goes, okay, Moses, tell them that I'm going to send manna down from heaven. It's going to rain to me like a bread light substance on the ground. You pick that up, you eat it, but don't you hoard it. Don't you put it in baskets and take it with you. And Moses is like, hey, here's what you don't do. Guess what they did? Put it in baskets. And God's like, that's fine. You didn't listen. I'm going to make it go bad. And so it went moldy and stale right there. It's bad. Then they got mad because we don't have enough water. Water. Who needs water? And so they're like mad. They're like, I don't believe that you're God. I don't believe God's doing this stuff. I wish you would have let me die with the Egyptians than to sit here in the wilderness. And so God goes, hey, Moses, take yourself, hit a rock. There's going to be water that comes out of a rock, blah, blah, blah. And he feeds them out of a rock. And then he feeds them with quail. And all these things are taking place. And here's what happens. Hear me. This is crazy to me. Me and Pastor Travis talk about this all the time. This is the craziest part of the entire story. Moses, the leader. Can I tell you what a leader is to do? A leader is not to be the one that is in the midst of doing everything. A leader is to be the one that is on the mountaintop hearing from God, figuring out how to make something happen. Whether it, it doesn't matter what it is, that's his job. And so Moses goes, I got to go hear from God. He gets on a mountaintop. He is in a cloud in the presence of God. He's sitting on top of this mountain. He's listening to God. He's in the presence. He's feeling great. You know what I'm saying? You ever been and God's just speaking to you, right? And giving you direction. And you're like, oh, this is, oh man, this is good. God, slow down. I got a journal that I'll type it out. I'll use my phone. God, this is great, right? That's Moses for a few days in the presence of God, in a cloud with God. He's in the presence of God. And he starts coming down the mountain. He leaves his executive pastor, Aaron, in charge down there. I'm not going to call him Travis because Travis would never do this. But executive pastor Aaron is down at the bottom with the rest of the Israelites. Moses gets halfway down the mountain and he's going, man, I got this amazing series that I'm going to teach. The Israelites is going to teach them how to love God and commit their lives to God. And all these things are going to take place. He gets halfway down the mountain. He starts hearing and all this raucous noise and he's going oh they're already partying for it they're already ready man they're going to be cracked up and ready to go ready for the word of God he gets closer and he sees this glimmer of, of a golden idol sitting down there and they're all dancing and bowing down to a golden idol and his executive pastor is letting it happen and God's sitting there going what are you doing I mean Moses is going what are you doing I know I've taught you better than that. I know I've taught you better than to, than, than to worship a, a job more than you have you do God. He said, he comes down and he's like, you got, Aaron, you're the next in charge. I'm literally spending time with Father, with God, hearing our next step. And you're down here building a doggone golden calf so our Israelites can go to hell with it. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? And he comes down and he does, you can go read the story. All this stuff takes place to get rid of the golden calf. And here's what takes place, right? Moses gets aggravated. And can I tell you, sometimes we all worship a golden calf in our, in our lives. Sometimes it's our paycheck. Sometimes it's our God. I mean, sometimes it's our kids. Some of you need to stop worshiping your kids more than you worship God. Some of us need to stop worshiping our jobs more than we worship God. I trust my boss more than I trust the, the pockets of my father. You hear me today? Is this speaking to anybody? And here's the thing. Some of us are more committed to the addiction that we say we want to get rid of than we are the Jesus that can make it go. Moses comes down and gets rid of the whole thing. And, and y'all, it happens again. And I'm just going to hit this one. Media in the back, thank you for following me. I know I'm all over the place today. This has been in me for weeks. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 through 4. They're going through the same thing. Samuel is now the judge. 
Samuel's the judge. All this stuff is taking place in verses three through four. It says they're turning from God because the ark was gone. And all of a sudden it says, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel. It's the same thing as Samuel grabbing my mic and standing and it spoke to all the house of Radiate. Samuel spoke and spoke to all the house of Israel saying, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, then he says this, remove the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him what? Alone. And he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. So the sons of Israel removed the Baals and the Asheroth and served the Lord alone. It's a constant reminder. Here's why, hear me. The Israelites were not committed to God. They were committed to what he could do for them. God will keep bringing me out. You know why God kept bringing them out? Because they were the chosen people. Because they were Israel. Hear me today. I don't want you to get this mixed up. Don't you dare walk out of here today worshiping a God for what he can do to you, for you. That's not relationship. That's not salvation and that's not kingdom. We don't serve God because of what he can do for us. We serve God because of who he is, that he is the father that gave us life and purpose and breath. He is the savior in bodily form named Jesus that hung on a cross and rose three days later. That's why we commit our lives. Love is not an infatuation. It is not a moment. It is not a, hey, strike the rock, give me water. It is not a, give me what you want. It is not this. It is, we burn the Ashtaroth, we burn the Baal, we melt down the golden calf, we get rid of everything and we serve him alone. Alone. It's commitment to say, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Hear this, 1 Corinthians Throw this up there for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1 says this. If I speak with the tongues of man and of angels. In other words, if I speak in a language you can understand. And if I speak in my spiritual language of tongues from the Father. But do not have what? Love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I've always wanted to be in the band. But here, here's the thing. The camera's mad at me right now. But here's the thing. Hear me. Here's what the Bible teaches us. Paul is looking at the church of Corinth and he's going, you say you love God. You say you love people. You speak in a spiritual language. You prophesy. You pray. You attend the meetings. You sit under the apostles. But if you do all that and you have not love, you might as well do this, because this is all you are. Because it doesn't matter what you do. Hear me today. Paul's saying, you're gonna get real annoying real quick. You don't love people like Jesus loves you. You don't even prophesy for love, you prophesy for attention. You don't speak with tongues of the heavenly language so that you can get closer to the Spirit and hear what, and pray what the Spirit prays. You're doing it so people look at you and pat you on the back. You don't go to church to be a part of a move of God. You go to church so the move of God can somehow bless you. 
Paul's looking at the church of Corinth and he's going, hey, everything's going well over there except this. If you do these things, but you have not what? Have not what? You're just making a bunch of noise. And what many of us have been taught is loving God is perfection. But loving God is not perfection because you're not going to get it right. You're going to screw it up. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to turn deadlines in on uh, late at work. You're going to say things wrong to your wife or your husband. You're going to do things wrong in church. You're going to do things wrong outside of church. It's not perfection. It's commitment to go, when I get it wrong, I'm still committed to you. And when you don't come through like I want you to come through, I'm still committed to you. And when it's hard, I'm still committed to you. I will love you not based on what you can do for me. I will love you based on who you are. Love. The level of love we have is based on the level of commitment we have. And I love going back to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, and I'm about to leave on this one. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. I want you to hear me today. Leave that scripture up. I want you to hear me today. We are not the only ones committed to him. He has committed everything to us. He has said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you. I will not let you down. In fact, he says, when everything gives you reason to be trembling and fearful, I want you to know I'm holding your hand and I'm walking the path with you because I love you so much. I'm committed to you in the good and I'm committed to you in the bad. I'm committed to you when you get it right and I'm committed to you when you get it wrong. Commitment is love you know how I can know I can sit here and I can tell you I love my wife with everything I have because I figure out what she likes and I do that and I figure out what she doesn't like and I don't do that why because I'm here to make her happy because I'm committed yesterday she made fun of my golf game at the golf tournament I'm not good but my wife don't need to tell me that. She said something about my swing. And through it, I'm committed to her. That's silly, but here's the truth. That splits marriages sometimes. I'm committed no matter what to the Lord my God because he is what? One. And I want you to hear me today. Whether you gave your life to Jesus last week, whether you gave your life to him years ago, whether you're giving your life to him in just a moment, whether you're getting baptized today or you're gonna decide in just a moment to get baptized today, I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear me well. I want you to hear me loud and clear. We have to commit our lives to him with everything we have. We don't pray and worship and stay away from the things that we should stay away from just because somebody stood in a pulpit and told us not to do it. We stay away from things that make him upset and we go towards things that make him happy. Why? Because I'm committed to him. Here's the thing. He is committed to you. I know you've gotten it wrong. I know you've messed up. I know your attitude is terrible. I know you're struggling. Put that thing to the side because he wants you to. But he's committed to you through the process. He's committed to you. Love the Lord your God. That's the number one thing we got to do. Love. We got to commit to him and go, God. I don't need a golden calf. I don't need goosebumps. I don't need an amazing band. 
I don't need people to agree with me. I don't need even need people to like me. I don't need you to uh, appreciate me. I don't need you to compliment. I don't need this. I don't, God, I don't need anything but you. Because you're the author, remember what the Bible says, and the finisher of it all. And his word will never return void. In other words, it will never come back empty. He's committed to you. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand to your feet with me today? I think that's an appropriate response to such a life-giving message to go, I can commit to him because he first committed to me with everything he's got. And hear me, he says, love the Lord your God and love or commit to your neighbor. Love each other. John and I don't always agree, but I'm committed to loving John because he's my neighbor. No matter what, love is commitment. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're in the room and you'd say this, Pastor, (laughs) I've got to give him my life. I've never done it. We've got a group getting ready for you, but I've never done it, but I need to give him my life today. I, I raise my hand and say, I'm ready to cross over into life with him, give him everything I've got and commit to him. If that's you today, I'd love to pray with you and walk this journey with you. If you would just raise your hand right where you are and just say, I'm ready to give him my life. I'm ready to commit to God. I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus no matter what. Would you hold your hand high if that's you? Now, if there's anybody in the room that would say, you know what, Pastor, I haven't done good with the commitment part. Not just commitment to God, but commitment to others and loving others. But I want to commit, I want to recommit, and I want to tell God, God, I commit to you. Not only do I give you my life, but I give you everything. I commit to the good and the bad. I commit to follow you. And when you speak, I move, no matter what because you're God and I thank you that you're committed to me and my response to that is to be committed to you. If that's you, would you hold your hand up in the air with me today because mine's going up and just say, I am ready to say I will, I'm committing to you and I'm committing to my neighbor today. Come on, all over the room, all over the room. Father, we thank you that you are committed to us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you give us just life and life more abundantly as John chapter 10 verse 10 says God I thank you that even in the good and the bad you're still committed I thank you that no matter what you're committed and I God I just declare that today help me be committed help me be committed to your cause to your kingdom to your love to your grace to your mercy help me be committed to your kids help me be committed to your purpose to your world to your children to your to my neighbor Help me be committed and God, let me walk out of here so committed to you that nothing I do, nothing anyone else does and nothing that anyone says changes the commitment that I have to you. God, we honor you and we praise you. And if you believe that God sits on a throne and he's committed to you, would you put your hands together and make some noise in the room today? Come on, church.